Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Good evening, dummies. For the second time, Saturday, June 19th, 8.08 p.m., 172. It's Saturday, and I'm doing a show. I got the shows from the last two days didn't upload properly, so they were not in HD. So we're going to do it again, and I'm going to do another show for you. I figured it's the least I can do. I just got off the, the live feed on Facebook. I haven't done that in like six months. It was great. A lot of interaction. A lot of people were involved. And I enjoyed it. So I think I'm going to do that maybe before I go on, 15, 20 minutes, just to preview the show, tell you what a little bit of what's going to happen, and it'll be fun. So good stuff. Let's get going. we got a long show tonight, and uh, I want to make sure I get it all to you. I hope your weekend's going well. Happy Father's Day for everybody tomorrow. I won't be able to talk to you tomorrow. I hope you have a great one. First thing, just call me Shazboot. Nano Nano, or is it Shazbot? That's right, it's Shazbot. Just call me Shazbot, Nano Nano. Remember Mork and Mindy? Well, this is what we're talking about tonight, gender dysphoria, and that gender is a social construct, and all these wonderful names that we have to remember, this is going to be fun. We're going to do that. And then, whatever happened to Ebony and Ivory? Remember that? Ebony and Ivory with Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder sitting it was on the piano playing together. What an amazing song. But if you take a look at mass shooters and these headlines, it's a white person decided to go ahead and shoot up a blah, 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 a white male or a black male. If you're on conservative sites, what the hell's going on? Is it color that depicts mass shooters and decides who is predetermined based upon the amount of melanin in your skin decides if you're going to be a shooter or not? That doesn't make much sense. If you pee standing up versus sitting down that you'll be a shooter. What is it? What are the commonalities? We'll talk about that tonight. And you are the weakest link. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Remember that show? What an ostentatious Brit. You all the weakest link. Goodbye. Fuck you. Anyway, so what is this? Electoral college, the voting system, voter rights, voter oppression, voter fraud. We're going in tonight. Is it true? Is any of it true? Is it all lies? Tonight, we will find out on this show. But first, how do you tell the difference between a fully vaccinated person and an unvaccinated person? If they aren't wearing a mask, just ask them who won the election. Not funny. It's actually really fucking true. See you in a few seconds. Watch this and I'll be right back. Recorded from an undisclosed location. Always honest. Always direct. So sit back. Relax. Don't unfriend me starts right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you, dummies. Good to have you. What are dummies? Why do I keep calling you dummies? Well, you're not dumb. 
But you're the don't unfriend me's, the D-U-M's, so you're called the dummies. The Barstool Sports has stoolies, I've got my dummies, and there it is. There's also dum-dums, and that's not a compliment. Those are special kinds of suckers. So if I call you a dum-dum, that's basically what you're being, a sucker. But if you're a dummy, it's the most esteemed title in all the land. With land, titles, taxes, and pages comes nobility. I dub thee dummy. Whatever. Fucking English. All right. Anyway, what are we doing? Well, we know what we're doing. We already talked about it. And what is this show? Is it a flashback to 1984 with Reagan and Bush? No. Although I wish we were there sometimes. What do we do here? Well, Don't Unfriend Me is all about politics, sports, current events, just the ongoings around the world, geopolitical situations, military talk, just about everything. I dabble in quite a few different things. You can find me on Facebook and Anchor, YouTube, Instagram. Come by, say hi. Please give me a like, share, follow, and subscribe. It's really important. It keeps the lights on, and I appreciate you doing it. And I think we'll be going live probably around 6 o'clock every night for 15, 20 minutes, just so you can get a taste of what the show is going to be about. If you have any questions or anything else, let me know. And there we are. If you don't, well, that's the wrong one. If you would like to go to don'tunfriendme.com and you're not a social media guru, you can get my entire catalog, my blog and everything else right there on don'tunfriendme.com. I've made it for you. Remember, stop by, say hello, participate. Let's get into the show tonight. A lot of people know I'm from Virginia. Not originally. I'm a California guy. California now. And Texas, land of the free, home of the brave. Florida's starting to push that moniker of Texas. Florida's doing really well. But a Loudoun County, Virginia middle schooler whose family asked that he not be exposed to transgender-themed lessons that go against their faith was placed in a small room adjacent to the dean's office during that class the next day. Rather than having an alternate lesson, according to the parents, the boy's mother wasn't happy about the fact that he was put in isolation room, said Brenda Tillett, president of Stand Up Virginia, a nonprofit that fights for parental rights and education law enforcement, and safe communities and election integrity. I think that is giving a child a mental message that they've done something wrong because they're placed in isolation. A school spokesperson said each grade's dean's office is equipped with classrooms where students are often sent when their parents opt them out of a lesson and that the teen was not sent to an isolated chamber. But video... The student recorded from inside gives viewers an idea of its dimensions, large enough for two desks and not much else, barely bigger than a broom closet, said the father, described it, and student said that if anyone else was in a similar room, he had no, con- he, he had no contact with them. Students at Harper Park Middle School in Leesburg all attend advisory learning classes at the same time every morning, and I can throw a rock at Leesburg from my house. It's a half-hour homeroom period, and typically they learn about being considerate towards others and how to make good friends. We all know what that means. It's diversity training, folks, because that's the cloaking that they put over it, the little cloaking device. It's all about how to get along with others and teach them about transsexuals and drag queens and homosexuality and alternate lifestyles and critical race theory. They don't seem to tell you that. But during Pride Month lessons, students were shown a video of a teacher explaining the use of non-traditional and transgender pronouns. 
we talk, quote, we talk about sharing our pronouns. And it's a really important step because when someone shares their pronouns with you and their pronouns might seem to contradict what you believe about them or what you assume about them, the teacher Kelly Ferris says in the video. Fuck. When someone shares their pronouns with you, we're sharing our name. We're sharing who we are, our identity. You know what? You know what my mom used to tell me? Nobody walks up and goes, hey, my name's Matt. I'm a Christian. How about you? Hey, my name's Matt. I'm a Republican. How about you? Hey, my name's Matt. I'm gay. How about you? What are we, why do we need to share this? What, what does it matter? What you do in your own bedroom is what you do. I don't need to know. And why do I have to share in your psychosis? Why do I have to learn 64 different genders? And people say there's not. Bullshit. I've got them all for you tonight. So when you use the pronouns that I have shared with you, it shows that you like me and you trust me and you're being kind and using my pronouns, which are they, them. Are you a fucking pussy? Is there any Americans with balls left? Yes, even women. What happened to strength? What happened to the daughters of the American Revolution and Civil War? What happened to World War II nurses? What happened to frontline fighters in Iraq? Where did we get these freaking never-off-the-tit human beings? When did America become pussified? It makes me know you like me. What if I don't like you? Can I call you shit, shat, and shot if I don't like you? Your pronoun isn't your name, she said. If a student isn't using a person's preferred pronoun, then that means that student doesn't like that person and that they don't trust that person. And that's completely untrue. That's emotional abuse. And that, it was an extremely manipulative conversation that is disguised under the banner of kindness and trust. She said conversations about sensitive social issues, including sexuality, gender, pronouns, love, marriage, and relationship, fall under parental rights and should be had at home. Yes! The school said parents were warned in advance and were given the chance to opt their children out. Why would you warn them if there was nothing wrong with the training and you didn't know that it would send up a red flag in a shitstorm of epic proportions? Riddle me that, Batman. If you didn't know this was going to happen and you knew it was wrong, then why did you do it? Because if it wasn't wrong and it was something that every student should know and it was accepted by the curriculum, then you wouldn't have had to put out a warning. What are you ashamed of? Is it possible that the curriculum you're putting out is highly controversial and that nobody understands it? Because how the fuck am I supposed to know what your pronouns are when we've never met? How am I supposed to know whether you're called a C, Sai, G, Jo, Goosh, Mosh, Douche? How am I supposed to know this if we've never spoken before? And when I say, so... He or she or they or thou or this or fuss. And then I say, no, 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 that's not my pronoun. Oh, well, cool. I just said seven. Let's see. I've got another, what, 57 to go. Let me just rattle them all off for you since I know that. I, I mean, I don't speak Cyrillic. I don't speak Aramaic. I don't know Russian. I don't know fifth dialect Arabic either. And there's a reason why, because I don't want to. I mean, how many freaking names do we have to have? And what the hell does it mean anyway? Nobody knows. The family who spoke with Fox News on condition of anonymity 
in a community where far-left Facebook groups made up parents, teachers, and officials have been accused of intimidating, deriding, and doxing conservative neighbors. No, really? Said they had not received such a warning. But after some digging, the father said that they found a small note included in the school's weekly newsletter, which, to be honest, I never read, he said. During advisory this week, we will focus on pride, kindness, and acceptance month. The note, which was shared with Fox News, reads, We welcome students and families to review this week's advisory lessons on pride, specifically tomorrow by clicking here. We understand that this topic may be one that you would like to review with your student individually rather than in a student advisory environment. If this is the case, please contact your student's grade level, dean or counselor, and we will arrange for alternative items for their advisory time this week. Well, they didn't do that, did they? And it's not pride. Pronouns aren't about pride. Let me ask you a question. If gender is a social construct, then aren't pronouns a social construct too? I guess I'll make this point later. So let me just get through this bullshit so I can tear this apart. Having not seen the note, the family said they complained the next day and that the principal indicated that other families had also called him about the video. He declined to comment directly for this article and deferred to the district spokesperson. This, excuse me, the student was taken to the dean's office the next day during advisory time. The alternative items for advisory time amounted to unsupervised time in a small room with the door closed. No instruction, no homework, the family said. Rather than subject their son to more of that, they let him finish the last week of school remotely, returning only on the last day to say bye to friends. We're a Christian household, and we have certain views that are religious beliefs, and we've shared that with our child the father told Fox News. They're supposed to be learning math, English, science, not how to fit into a leftist society. He likened the pronoun lessons framing to thought policing in George Orwell's 1984. Wow, a Republican who's read 1984? I thought we were all uneducated morons. Here come the leftists. Oh, well, I read that book when I was two years old. I'm an elitist fucktard. Okay, sorry. I'm just a little grumpy. They're trying to control our children on how we're speaking, he said. We're sick of it. We're probably going to look at other avenues of education for the next year of school. The family left California to get away from the liberals. <laughs> you and me both, brother and sister. He said, stopping off first in Utah, but then moving to Virginia for work. We thought we had escaped this insanity, he said, and that's why we want to get away from this. What's with this liberal craziness? We're right back in the middle of it. The incident comes as Loudoun County School Board is considering draft policy 8040, and I've read it, and it's a bunch of bullshit. But it will require Loudoun County Public Schools and employees to use students' preferred name or pronouns. Byron Tanner Cross, a district physical education teacher, was suspended and then reinstated by court order earlier in June for speaking out against the proposals during a public board meeting when he told the board, I love all of my students, but I will never lie to them, regardless of the consequences. I'm a teacher, but I serve God first, and I will not affirm that a biological boy can be a girl and vice versa, because it's against my religion. It's lying to a child. It's abuse to a child, and it's sinning against our God, whether I believe that or not is immaterial. But here's what I believe. Once again, how am I supposed to learn the pronouns for he, she, him, her, his, her, his, hers, himself, herself? That's the order of these. One, two, three, four, five different pronouns for he, she, him, her, his, her, his, hers, himself, herself. God, I can't believe I'm going to do this. I'm going to try to pronounce these. Pronounce these. She, Zim, Zir, Zis, Zisel, Zself. Oh my God. 
See, sigh, hire, hires, hire self. I am ire, heirs, heirs self. V, ver, viz, verse, verse self. I need to take a second. Tay, ter, tem, tears, tear self. E, M, I, R, I, R, M, I can't do this anymore. I can't do it. So here's an epic fucking trigger warning, okay? I'm triggered, and you're going to be triggered too. If you don't agree, and you're hating this so far, and you're like, I can't believe how insensitive this guy is. He's just like Reagan that says AIDS was a gay disease. Hey, fuck you. I will I have marched. I will stand up with LBGTQ community for the rest of my life. I have lifelong friends who I love and adore and I don't care if they're gay. If my daughter and my son decide to be queer, transsexual, I don't care. I will love them unequivocally. But I'm not going to sit here and condone psychoses. I'm going to talk about the biology reality in an objective way. So I'll use terms like the norm and abnormal. I'm well aware that that kind of talk is often used to hurt LGBTQ people. That's not how I'm using it. I'm using them completely objectively because it is the only way to talk about it. If your feelings are hurt by biological objectivity, then go ahead and throw me in the right-wing arseholes who use such terms to justify their bigotry and read no further. There is a big problem with the gender debate. It is mainly one of definition. Some people say that gender is a synonym of biological sex. Some say it is a biological spectrum. Some say it is purely social construct. And some say that it is feeling-based whims that change with the breeze. Academia doesn't help. Various fields and even researchers within fields use different definitions, and these definitions have changed over time, partly because we are learning more about biology and psychology every day, and partly because of an ideological push. It's hard to track. You get people screaming that they are right and everyone else is wrong. You get those on the ultra-right screaming that God made two and only two. Two genders and a bunch of ultra-lefties crying that those meanies are triggering them since they are sensitive trans-android unicorn by gender potato kin, or whatever the fuck they're whimsically defined themselves to be in that moment of that day. And this is why it will never end. Because now that you have this many, there's other people who are going to have to fight the revolutionary fight of adding more gender definitions to it in 20 years. And we'll say that the people who were woke today were really asleep and Neanderthals in the fight to be woke. It's never going to stop. Because you will have a unicorn by gender potato kin literally say, I am a unicorn by gender potato kin and my pronoun needs to be added. I am now an Uzbegenjer skin pot. And please refer me as such. My pronouns are horn to spud. And I would really appreciate a spud self. would appreciate it if you would call me that. I'm offended you didn't. 
How the fuck am I supposed to know that you're a bi-gender unicorn potato can trans android? I'm so sorry. The truth is, truth is that there are two sexes, two, male, female. But biology is weird and it's complex. People are not always born under those templates. Some people have the Klinefelter syndrome where they were not dealt the standard XX or XY genetic hand. These are not extra genders, folks. They are variations from the norm. And I'm not saying you're abnormal. Some people are chimeras. No, not fire-breathing lions. Look up the definition of chimeras. But it's where a male and female zygote fused into a single individual leading to abnormal development, often with unclear genitalia and inconsistent hormones. And then there is brain structure itself. Evolution has developed simple neural mechanisms to make sure males and females follow certain behaviors, which lead to reproduction. When it is working normally or nominally, don't get triggered by that word, please. Then males and females are sexually attracted to each other and have different and clearly defined behavioral traits. Women have feminine maternal instincts and males have masculine paternal ones. The desires and skill sets are different and offset for the norm and that pretty makes up makes up like 86 percent of the population of the fucking world okay then you have the lbgt community then you have offsets and gender or scientific anomalies which is such a small percentage but we're curtailing to this smallest percentage however biology is soft and robust Often pathways are switched on or off by some factor and develop abnormally. This can lead to homosexuality, where the circuits for attraction are switched, and trans individuals where pathways associated with other behaviors and preferences of the opposite sex are expressed. You hear this all the time, I was born this way. No, you weren't. No, you weren't. And you can prove it. And you can go into any psychology book or you can just take a poll of every single human being. Have you ever had dreams about the opposite sex? Nocturnal emissions. Have you ever had it through puberty where you thought about the opposite sex? Some people were aroused. Some people were disgusted. There was a choice. And it may not be mutually exclusive to an additional chromosome. It might be both. But what we are exposed to happens. Are you saying that there weren't homosexual Native Americans? Of course there were. Are you going to say that there weren't homosexual varieties or varieties in the animal kingdom? Yes, there are. It happens. It is not the norm. And that doesn't mean that because it's abnormal that it's wrong. And it doesn't believe or doesn't mean because of this or A, B, and C in science that an anomaly is so far from center that it deserves to be cast out and castigated out, that it's a variable that never needs to be equated. The only thing that does that is religion and personal prejudice. But what we need to understand is it's not a normal thing. And nothing in science can tell us that it is predisposed and that everybody with an extra chromosome is a homosexual or a transgender or whatever because it's simply not true. Gender roles in society are not made up. They kind of are. But they are based on average behavioral norms of our species. Sometimes they get warped into something else and because and are and become harmful and oppressive, but they are not based purely on happenstance and whim. They are manifestations of hardwired biological biases. 
which evolved for a species with two sexes, but often developed across the spectrum. In conclusion, there are only two genders if we are talking about the evolutionary ideal of a sexually reproducing species. And there are infinite genders if we are talking about the variations from the norm that biology allows, mixed with social constructs and whims. People who give you specific figures like 79 genders or 213 are talking out of their ass and listing personal whims they have enumerated. But there are different pronouns, and they do have a cause and effect on the norm, and they do stray from the norm. Because you can't call someone she, he, or they, or themselves, or herself. You have to call them a made-up name and a made-up nonsensical name that doesn't give any idea, and it's like a crib key. You have to have an algorithm. You have to have a freaking decryption device in order to figure it out. A, a Cracker Jack decoder ring from Little Orphan Annie to understand the meaning because nobody's going to take the time to do that because, honestly, we don't give a fuck. I don't care at all who you are or what you do in your bedroom. Have at it, man. I don't need to be a part of it. And you don't need me to dignify your life. What, what do I matter? Why does a random stranger matter? I always have to point out that as a conservative myself. I am vehemently opposed to treating people as inferior because of trivial things like sexuality and gender expression. And yes, it's trivial. How many times do you go up to somebody and go, hey man, I like dick? It doesn't happen. Unless you are in a courting phase. And trust me, you don't go to the local church. You go to a bar. You go to an app with people who also surround themselves with that type of ideological thinking and belief system. You never have to say it. You just know. But this nonsense of gender as a fashionable identity and the fascist policing of language that goes with it, it has to stop. If gender is a social construct, then so is gender fluidity and personal pronouns. What's the difference? As much as you are offended by male and female, I am offended by the 64 different variations of pronouns. Yours is a social construct too. So why is yours better than mine? It's not that you don't like my vodka. You prefer another brand to the norm. I believe in your right to be called anything you want. I have a hard enough time remembering your name or my own phone number. I will not roll my R's. I will not uncover how you pronounce Andrea or Andrea or Andrea or Andre A. I don't have the fucking time. You can be whatever you want. Just don't expect me to take part in your psychoses. We already tried this shit with Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, and it didn't fucking work. Because when we said Merry Christmas, we continued to piss people off, and they went Happy Holidays. And then when we said Happy Holidays, people said, fuck you, man, say Merry Christmas. Times that by 64. It doesn't work. Why do we constantly try to repair that which is not broken? And here's the thing. If you are so morally shallow and sensitive and completely with a lack of self-esteem and self-confidence, that someone mispronouncing your pronoun who has no fucking idea who you are, you've got a lot more problems than what's between your legs or what isn't. It's more about what's not in between your ears. And that is something we all can agree on. That's pretty good. I made up that last part. I like that. Good. Good stuff. Totally on the whim. 
was reading, and then that was ad lib. It was good. It was good. Maybe I should do live. It gets me fired up. I'm passionate tonight. Whatever happened to Ebony and Ivory, folks? You know, Paul McCartney, Stevie Wonder. I talked about it earlier. Ebony and Ivory. That song. A black man. Here's the article. A black man accused of wounding five people during three separate shootings in Georgia and Alabama told police he was targeting white men and the attacks were racially motivated, according to a recent report. I didn't understand that when he said he was attacking white men. I just thought it was luck. Of course, it's racially motivated. And so's your article. Justin Tyran Roberts. The accused shooter told police that white men had picked on him and wronged him for all of his life. Columbus, Georgia police detective Brandon Lockhart testified during preliminary hearing on Monday, according to the Columbus Ledger Inquirer. Quote, basically, he explained throughout his life, specifically white males had taken from him and also what he had described as military looking white males had taken from him. What the hell is a military white male? Okay, that's yeah, I get it. Okay, okay. I get it. I'm like, how do you identify that? How are you, are you assuming my military service? I get it. Tattoos, beard, trucker hats, Reagan shirts. I get it. I'm glad I didn't live there, but see, I'm armed. I would have shot the fucker. Anyway, Lockhart reportedly testified. Lockhart later testified that Robert said, I had to have him. But one of the sh- about one of the shooting victims, police have accused Roberts of shooting five people in three separate assaults in Columbus, Georgia, and Phoenix City, Alabama. All victims are expected to recover. Columbus Police Chief Freddie Blackman said Sunday. Well, if all five are planning to recover and you shot most of them in the back, you prick, maybe you should have military service so you can learn how to fucking fire a weapon. What a loser. Not only are you a loser in life, you can't even get shooting somebody in the back right. Seriously? My God, even Pat Garrett was successful against Billy the Kid. The chief added that police found no evidence that Roberts knew any of his victims. And I don't want to hear that Billy the Kid still was alive and was found in the Mojave Desert at 108 years old. Bullshit. They ran DNA. It was not him. Billy the Kid died. Anyway, police said one person was hurt in a shooting Friday night at a hotel in Phoenix City. Less than two hours later, uh, Friday, three people were shot in Columbus. A fifth person was shot Saturday afternoon. Roberts was ultimately charged with aggravated assault, possession of a firearm during the commission of a crime, possession of a firearm by a convicted felon, theft by receiving stolen property, referring to the gun, police said. Wow, that is a litany. Sounds like an upstanding human being. Why didn't they say the lifelong criminal versus the black man? Hmm. Phoenix City and Columbus sit on opposite sides on the Alabama-Georgia border. The 39-year-old appeared in court Monday in Columbus for a preliminary hearing in one of those incidents where a man was shot in the back as he was getting into his vehicle. Roberts also claimed that such men were shooting at him in a wooded area with a slingshot, and the wounds had infected his skin, Lockhart testified. Wow, that sounds like a proportionate response. The next time Iran sends a little skiff towards one of our carriers and then waves off, we're going to nuke their fucking country. Why? Because we can That's why we got an infection in splinters from the boat as it rubbed across our metal ship. Those fuckers are going to pay. But he said police saw no injuries to substantiate his claim. Public defender Robin King requested a mental health evaluation for Roberts, saying the man was suffering from delusions. No, no, he sounds perfectly normal. So why doesn't it say the freaking mentally ill man shot people versus black men? 
Now we have two things. I wonder. The officer's testimony has demonstrated that Mr. Roberts is having delusions and a disconnect from reality, King told the judge. Judge Julius Hunter found probable cause to send Roberts' case to Muskogee Superior Court. Wow, he sounds pretty lucid to me. It sounds premeditated. He traveled over, what, three states? He picked out people indiscriminately based or discriminately based upon the way that they looked and associated military service with them in very highly military serving states. Sounds premeditated. Why, why should he get off on a technicality from a mental state? He's obviously completely stable. It's just because he's black, right? It has nothing to do with his mentality. Oh, wait, maybe it does. Twitter activists are once again directing their ire toward white males over this even though it was a black person who shot him. This time, they're adding the mass shooting in black or in Boulder, Colorado, but we heard nothing from the Columbus shooting when it came to this African-American gentleman. The horrific attack spurred a flurry of white male shooter tweets from Twitter, verified accounts, even before authorities identified the perpetrator. Most prominent among them was Vice President Kamala Harris, her niece, Mina Harris, who wrote, The Atlanta shooting was not even a week ago. Violent white men are the greatest terrorist threat to our country. Some people think it's your mother or your aunt or whatever the hell she is. Many racially charged tweets were deleted after the killer was revealed to be Ahmed Al-Alwi Alisa. Fuck. A 21-year-old Syrian immigrant. Despite her embarrassing blunder, Miss Harris got one thing right. Mass shooters are disproportionately men like other violent offenders. This is true. What mass shooters are not, though, is disproportionately white. That stereotype quickly collapses under any scrutiny. It took me about 30 seconds to figure it out. Whites typically represent a bare plurality of mass shooters overall, with certain exceptions depending on the definition of mass shooting employed. However, the percentage of mass shootings committed by whites is substantially lower than their share of the population indicating that whites are actually underrepresented among mass shooters, not overrepresented. Three reputable reputable sources of data bear this out. First, there's a study published in the Journal of Interpersonal Violence in 2017, which analyzed all mass murders in the United States from 2006 to 2016, defined as four or more intentionally killed, excluding the offender. The study separates mass murders into three types, consisting of family, felony, and public mass killings. Below are the non-exhaustive definitions of each type retrieved from the study. Family killings are the most common form of mass murder, foremost defined by a close victim, offender relationship. Perpetrators tend to be white, middle-aged men who attack their intimate partner, children, and other relatives. Shooting is the most common method of execution in these incidents. Then there's felony killings. These are typified the gang, drug, or crime-related monikers. These murderers that are often, often serve to eliminate witnesses. Attackers tend to be young black or Hispanic males with extensive criminal history. Over three-quarters of these incidents involved firearms. Then there's the public mass killings, which receive seemingly unceasing media coverage. And they account for the smallest portion of all mass murders. Attackers vary by motive and locational preference, ranging from hate-motivated assailants to school shooters, workplace annihilators, individuals with psychoses, which is all of them, and domestic terrorism. The public mass murderer almost exclusively uses firearms, often multiple, not the AR-15, but handguns and shotguns. Go figure. 
to kill as quickly and as many as possible, the study says. Across all three categories, the percentage of mass murders involving white offenders is lower than the percentage of the U.S. population that is white, which is 60%. On the other hand, the percentage of mass murders involving black offenders far exceeds the percentage of the population that is black, 13%. And this is based off the current census and the FBI report. So if you're going to discredit this, I don't know what to fucking tell you. I promise you there are reports that will deny all of this. And honestly, I only go with what is the most reliable. And the census and the FBI is pretty fucking accurate. Another source of data on mass casualty events is the U.S. Secret Service, which publishes threat assessment reports examining mass attacks in the public spaces with three or more victims. These attacks typically involve the use of one or more firearms. The federal agency's report for 2019 showed that 51% of the attackers were white non-Hispanic versus 60% of the U.S. population. 27% of the attackers were black versus 13% of the U.S. population. 14% of the attackers were Hispanic versus 19% of the U.S. population. By this data set, both Hispanics and non-Hispanic whites appear underrepresented among mass attackers, while blacks appear overrepresented. A similar pattern emerges when reviewing data on serial killings, the unlawful killing of two or more victims by the same offenders in separate events. This time, though, that pattern is far more conspicuous. Two universities, Radford and Florida Gulf Coast, never heard of either of them, maintain an exhaustive database on serial killers to believe to be the most comprehensive serial killer database available to researchers, according to the project's latest report. The repository contains information on 5,300 serial killers from the U.S. and other countries and over 14,800 victims as of June 25, 2020. The report from the two universities reveal that majority of serial killers in the United States have been African-American since 1990. Since 1990, the majority of serial killers were African-Americans as 50.8%, followed by whites at 36.5, Hispanics by 10.5, Asians by 1.8, and Native Americans at 0.4, the report says, which is very close to the division of races and ethnicity based on U.S. population. In all decades, the percentage of African-American serial killers exceeds the percentage of African-Americans in the United States population. We've discussed this on shows before. No matter how you slice it, no pun intended, data on mass murders, mass attacks, and even serial killers do not substantiate the white mass shooter stereotype propagated by the media pundits and blue checks on Twitter. Contrary to popular belief, non-Hispanic whites actually appear to be underrepresented among perpetrators of these heinous attacks. Overall, what does this all mean? Absolutely nothing. There is no predetermined pathway for mass shooters based on skin color. And anyone who listens to this and turned it off, God have mercy on your soul. I don't give a shit if you're black, white, brown, green, pea sitting up, sitting down, whether you are a bi, cis, unicorn, fairy, toad princess. It has nothing to do with the color of your skin. It has nothing to do whether you are male or female, who both do very different things. Vehicular manslaughters, intentionally running somebody over, murder by car, women far outnumber men. Road rage, you would be surprised. Women are almost equal with men on road rage incidents. How about mass poisoning? More women than men by far. Men absolutely have one thing that doesn't go for them, testosterone. And they have rage issues and anger issues. 
But to say that there haven't been mass murderers that are female is just an absolute lie. There have been mass shooters who are female too, but disproportionately it is men. Here's the question. Is it because men are crazier than women? Maybe. Or is it that depression and anxiety are more acceptable in the female world than the men's world? That postpartum depression, that menstruation can cause mood swings and anxiety, that they can have sexual vulnerabilities when they were younger and being taken advantage of, that females going to a psychiatrist isn't a sign of weakness, that it's almost accepted. But men are not allowed to talk about these things. Men are not allowed to see psychiatrists. There's a stigma that they are weak, including military people. Do you think possibly that this could be a mental health issue versus having a dick or a vagina or that you're black, white, brown, or green? This is a mental issue. That is the one commonality. It is insanity and an inability to have ever developed a conscience. It has nothing to do with anything else. It is equal to the population and also because a lot of crime in the inner city where multiple shootings can happen by the same person is considered a mass shooting. Remember, three to four. How many times do you hear about someone shooting at a party, killing five, six, 10, 13 people? That's considered a mass shooting, and it happens in the inner city more frequently than anywhere else in the United States. Of course, it's disproportionate, and it has nothing to do with being black. It has everything to do with the environment that people are in and their ability to get help to get out. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. Oh, I'm going to do an English accent. You are the weakest link. Goodbye, fucker. Is there a problem with universal mail-in balloting? Sounds simple enough. You fill out a ballot, stick it in the mail. Somebody counts it on election day. And in fact, we already do that with absentee ballots, right? So why would universal mail-in balloting be any different? Well, the biggest difference is that with absentee ballots, the voter specifically asks for a ballot. With universal mail-in balloting, ballots are mailed out en masse. Millions of people who would normally go to the polls vote by mail instead. There's no national election that has ever been conducted this way. And there are very good reasons to be concerned that one ever should because we just had one. Reason number one, bureaucratic incompetence. I don't think I have to sell you on the idea that when the government bureaucracy takes on a big new project with little preparation, the results aren't pretty. We've seen those results as it relates to mail-in balloting already. Wisconsin was one of the first states to hold a primary in the coronavirus era. It saw an influx in mail-in votes as a result. Predictably, this led to serious snafus. Situation normal, all fucked up. Thousands of requested ballots were not sent. 1,600 ballots were found at a mail processing center. The day after the election, 23,000 votes were rejected due to missing signatures or other missing information. And those are the mistakes we know about in just one state. And in one primary election, where only half of the state at best is voting. When fewer people than in the general election typically bother to even cast that vote. In Pennsylvania where they delayed the date of their primary to get better prepared for the expected increase in mail-in balloting, they still couldn't handle the volume. Half of Philadelphia votes were still uncounted a week after the election. In Virginia, more than half a million applications for ballots were mailed with incorrect information. Half a million. Some of the applications went to the wrong addresses. Some went to dead voters. One even went to a fucking pet. 
under the best. Oh, and the results for Virginia came in in 13 minutes. 13 minutes after the polls closed with 2% of the vote in. I remember I was there. I live streamed it. Go watch. And everybody from Virginia was like, what the fuck? What happened? How is that possible? Under the best of circumstances, the bureaucracy struggles with mail-in balloting. Under less than the best of circumstances. That's not a scenario we want to face, but we had to. Which brings us to reason number two for concern, shoddy security. Here's what the New York Times said about voting by mail in an article in 2012. Keep in mind that they were talking about traditional absentee balloting, not a mass mailing of ballots. There is a bipartisan consensus, quote, that voting by mail, whatever its impact, is more easily abused than other forms. No shit. Really? In May 2020, New Jersey conducted its first ever all-male election. One month later, two elected officials were among four charged with criminal conduct involving mail-in ballots. One operative confessed to stealing ballots, both completed and uncompleted out of mailboxes. Other operatives compiled a database of signatures of prospective voters and then used them to fill out ballots on behalf of their preferred candidate. And we only know about it because they got caught. Election fraud only figures to get easier because of a new weapon in the cheater's arsenal, ballot harvesting. This is a term for when a third party, usually a campaign worker or activist, goes to people's homes and collects their ballots. With ballot harvesting, you don't even have to put your ballot in the mailbox. Vote harvesters will pick it up for you. The opportunities for mischief, say, pressuring people to vote a certain way, destroying ballots, or filling out ballots for those who didn't bother to vote, are endless. Vote harvesting that targets senior citizens for their ballots even has its own name as granny farming. That had a different meaning when I was younger. Gross. Reason three to be concerned, the likelihood of long delays in determining final results. Americans are used to knowing who won and who lost within hours of the polls closing on election day. Of course, some close races take longer to sort out, but the longer it takes, the less legitimate an election seems. That is exactly what happened in the 2000 presidential election with Bush and Gore. Then the dispute was focused on a single state, Florida. It was finally settled by the Supreme Court over a month later. If we have a national election that relies only on mail-in voting, we're almost certain to see significant delays like we did in 2020. And we don't know if we'll ever get the results that are true to form. From the post office to the vote counters, the system is just not set up for this. In a close contest involving massive mail-in voting, lawsuits disputing the results are inevitable. This could delay final results even longer than we saw with Trump. And instead of involving a single state, it's likely to involve multiple states since more states are swing states than ever before. This is a recipe for civil unrest and frustration and fear of stolen election grips, and it hits the voter, voter at home. This is why we saw the insurrection. It's not an excuse. It's simply because people felt that their candidate was stolen. Bureaucratic incompetence, shoddy security, long delays. These are just some of the concerns any reasonable person should have over universal mail-in balloting. What's the solution? Simple. If you need to vote absentee, request a ballot. It's easy. Otherwise, vote like you always have in person. And what we hear all the time is there's no proof of voter fraud. Voter suppression is real and voter fraud is fake. No, it's not. There's over 10,000 individual cases just from the last four years. This is the last election showing voter fraud. And in some cases, it's a few votes to 100,000 votes. 
Republicans need to do more to push back against the notion that election integrity measures are really designed to suppress voting. It's not true. H.R. 1 suppresses voting in a large way by making the federal mandate across all elections, that the federal government will oversee and run all elections. That doesn't sound right, does it? What happened to the 10th Amendment? This narrative has been bought, paid for, and constructed for political ends, then repeated as in fact by Main Street media outlets. For weeks, news articles, headlines have parroted this political angle better than any hired spokesperson based upon the Arizona results and some of the conversations that are coming out about these election results, the media has taken over and said, there is no such thing as election fraud. Do a search on Google. The first 46 articles, there's not any counterpoints. It's all election fraud is fake, and it's not true. It's a ridiculous notion to equate election integrity with voter suppression. It's dishonest. But worse of all, it stifles thoughtful debate and discourages good policy. Our election system isn't perfect. A lot of Republicans have serious concerns after the 2020 election, just as Democrats did after 2016 election, but all of a sudden, there's no way for voter fraud. It's impossible. Russia didn't subvert our elections after all, but we're still going to impeach Trump for it. Does that make sense? However, why did they start abandoning these election integrities entirely? Stacey Abrams calls it a redo of Jim Crow in a suit and tie. Of course she does. But every American wants their vote to count, and every American wants to be able to trust in the election process. Great sacrifices have been made for our right to vote. Our troops defend our democratic system overseas from foreign enemies. The women's suffrage and civil rights movements fought valiantly to ensure that every American enjoyed the precious right to vote. Our voting process must have integrity and peace. people must believe in it. But this whole adage that voter suppression is real, well, it is. It happens. But more minorities voted in this election than ever before. More minorities voted for Hispanic, Hispanics and African Americans in particular and Cuban nationals than ever before for a Republican since Ronald Reagan. That should terrify everybody on the Democratic side. Election integrity should be a bipartisan issue because it defends the one person, one vote. This is a design for Republicans and Democrats. Our ballot box is the great equalizer. By design, every American's vote should carry the exact same weight as any other American's vote, regardless of wealth, status, or power. Fraudulent or miscounted votes unequalize the playing field. The potential for fraud invites money and power to have influence in the voting process. It would suppress voter participation not to ensure that every American has confidence in the equal weight of their vote. Not one of the proposed election integrity issues suggested by Republican legislatures makes any distinction in application by race or party. Every proposed election integrity measure applies across the board to every voter. And to simply impl imply that somebody from an inner city can't figure out how to get an ID and register to vote is absolutely racist in itself. And Democrats will absolutely dodge the question. My stalker did. He didn't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole, even though he says he believes in voter registration. But he doesn't understand is that voter registration requires an ID or a passport or some sort of proof of who you are, military ID. You simply can't just vote, register to vote with nothing. Or can you? Because it's dependent upon the states, and in some states, you simply can walk in, and the HR1 bill says that you have to have a voter registration or name and address and can register that day on premises. The amount of voter fraud that will happen from that is just 
unbelievable to, to conceptualize. The proposed election integrity reforms take aim at the election procedure vulnerabilities that can be manipulated unfairly by those with wealth, status, and manpower. The Democrats believed this in 2016. Why are they changing their tune? Why are they all of a sudden saying, oh, there is no fraud? There's nothing wrong. Our elections are perfect. That's not what they said in 2016. What has changed? Well, they have a working system, which is mail-in ballots, and it was effective. And if you're telling me that, what, 84 million people came out and voted for fucking Joe Biden, I have a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn. It is a reasonable assumption that a vote that must be delivered to the ballot box is less secure than a vote placed directly into the ballot box. The in-person voting booth is safe from undue influence and should be the default voting practice. No matter what they say about Dominion servers, I don't want to hear it. A ballot filled out away from the ballot box has potential to be influenced by others. There are plenty of documented examples, organized ballot harvesting, a tactic where partisan staffers are hired to collect these ballots that we said earlier and distribute them according to their political influence. Mailing a vote also creates the potential for chain custody issues. Also, if you do not check these ballots, they have the vote to mail in and do it in person, which happened when they didn't check the signature or any of the background on some of these mail-in votes against same-day voting. Some people need to vote absentee, and that should be allowed, including military people or somebody who has an ailment or the elderly who can't get to a polling booth. These are all exceptional circumstances and understood. No proposed reform wants to stop that, but it should not become the default. Using the mail and thus inviting outside and undue influence into the voting process should be upon request of the voter with special circumstances only. Instead, in 2020, many election jurisdictions decided unilaterally to mail ballots out preemptively or remove any sort of cause requirement for absentee voting or checking signatures. Essentially, mail-in voting moved from a system of accommodation to the default voting practice. A voting system defaulted to the mailbox makes our elections only as secure as our phone bills or our credit card statements. Identity theft is a real issue and treated seriously by our elected leaders. Why wouldn't voter fraud get the same serious attention? There's a meme I put up said they can hack our gas pipeline. They can hack our freaking meat industry, but they can't hack an election. So what are you saying? That it's easier to hack a credit card than it is to change somebody's vote? It's not that hard. I want you to do me a favor. If you live in a zip code close to an apartment building, I want you to go look at your mail for the day. And I want you to look at the mailer, the little newspaper that has the coupons for the Alpha Beta or the Safeway, and then has tire value and Goodyear and all those other coupons in it. And it's just a little color mailer that everyone throws away. Nobody reads it. Go to an apartment building. I want you to see how many people throw that away. And then I want you to see how many people throw away their bills and how they throw away things from the IRS. People throw their mail away. I have seen it in apartment buildings. My wife worked in one. I lived in them for years. And every day there is mail stacked to the roof. How hard do you think it would be for people who have no interest in voting, had no desire to vote, who received a ballot to just throw it away in the trash? And you don't think that there are people who can pick those up? How naive are you? Voter fraud is not a fantasy. The Heritage Foundation keeps an online database of proven voter fraud cases. There have been dozens of news articles about ballots that have been misplaced, mishandled, or turned up in any place they shouldn't have been, except for the place that they should have. Shouldn't these incidents inform policy proposals and be acted upon? Finally, the eligibility to vote must have some sort of verification process. 
So many aspects of our society require identification. This includes driving, owning a firearm, getting on an airplane, getting a fishing license. But somehow it impacts the constitutionality of voting by having an ID. Great. So you believe that you should be able to vote as long as you are on U.S. soil or you're on a property or territory of U.S. soil or you're on a military base or you're on an embassy or whatever, right? Great. Then I should go and buy any gun that I want without having to provide my ID. Oh, wait a second. That's a different argument. Can't do that. Why? Isn't it constitutionally protected for me to have a firearm? Why do I have to show an ID? Because it's the law. And it should be the law for voting too. It's too important. The pen is always mightier than the sword and the gun, folks. It's so regular. We take it for granted. Nobody questions identification in these contexts. Should voting not be as secure as these activities, if not more? President Biden recently claimed that voter ID is an attempt to repress minority voting. He and his party push incredibly stringent identity verification for the purchasing and ownership of firearms. Is that an attempt to repress minority Second Amendment rights? I ask the question again. Let's make identification cheaper and easier to access to the public in a bipartisan effort. Instead of conceding election integrity to shortcomings in the government identification infrastructure, how about good policy that would enforce every part of the voting process and election integrity? It isn't voter suppression. Stop playing politics with our democracy. Stop calling us racist and saying we're trying to suppress black people from voting. In fact, we don't. As a Republican, I want every African American to vote who can. I also want them to stop voting Democrat. I want them to wake up after 75 years of welfare, no jobs, no family structure, no breaks, no investment in their communities, in education, no chartering of schools and making them go to the same strung out schools as everybody else. Having no free counseling when it comes to gang violence or anything that's a nonprofit can't have any subsidized dollars going to drug counseling or drug reform or anything when it comes to detoxing in a clinic for free for youth who are addicted to drugs. All of these things cost money and it's worth millions of dollars to the city. And they get these checks from the federal government and they don't put it back into anything for the people. They put it into illegal immigration and they put it into programs for social programs that have nothing to do with every common day American that's going to get them out of trouble. I want African Americans to vote. I want immigrants to vote. I want every person in America to vote, but that's not going to happen. It is going to be roughly a third of the country is going to vote on any given Sunday. And the problem with that is there are too many voices that are not heard, including minorities. Why don't we stop telling minorities that they're too dumb to get a voter ID? And I think if you ask legal immigrants, to a man, woman, and child, every single one of them has an ID, and they do it with pride. It's what it takes to do 76 federally given programs, like I said, whether it's your taxes, whether it's getting a check from the government, whether it's going and opening up a bank account, whether it's getting a car, whether it's getting insurance, whether it's applying for electric bill or water bill, whether it's renting an apartment or buying a home, whether it's getting a fishing license, whether it's getting a hunting license, whether it's actually getting a permit to protest, you have to have ID and you should have it to vote.
Folks, that's it for my show tonight. You can agree. We can disagree. You can love me. You can hate me. Just don't unfriend me. Going out tonight, thank you. Please do me a favor and like, share, and subscribe if you could on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. It keeps the light on, and I appreciate it. Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255. Press 1. Traumatic brain injury, PTS, anxiety, depression are all real, and 22 veterans a day commit suicide. They need your help. They need to talk to you. Please reach out to a vet today. If you can't, give them this number or reach out to me and I will call them and try to help them through the process. And if that doesn't work, you can go to donutfriendly.com, click on the VCL link and get help through VCL directly through a Skype operator free of charge. And if you are a civilian, they will help you as well. Folks, I enjoyed going live tonight. Thank you. Thank you also for watching the show. I'm going to be just under one hour when the closing bell hits. I hope you enjoyed and I hope you come back on Monday. Have a great weekend. Happy Father's Day. I'll see you on Monday.